Hey, Jen, want to talk about how to talk to our spouses about sex? Um, what do you think? Great. Today we're going to discuss how to broach the delicate topic of sex with our spouses. How can I get this conversation started so that my spouse will be responsive and engaged, not scared away? How can I learn to express my desires and feelings openly about such an embarrassing topic? Stay tuned. Welcome to the Intimate Covenant Podcast, providing biblical teaching and resources to help married couples achieve a fuller relationship and an extraordinary sex life. For more information about Intimate Covenant, please visit our website at IntimateCovenant.com. Here are your hosts, Matt and Jen Schmidt. Welcome to the podcast, where we believe the Bible and great married sex both belong on your kitchen table. That's right. We're talking about holy, covenant-bound, intimate relationships with hot sex. We're Matt and Jen, founders of Intimate Covenant. We've been married to each other for 23 years, and through our struggles and by following God's plan, we've found a marriage relationship that is solid, intimate, and hot. We're not licensed therapists, but we do speak from a place of vulnerability and experience. Our passion is mentoring and teaching about God's plan for marriage. Intimate Covenant is our organized effort to serve the marriages that we have been blessed to impact. We want to provide biblical perspective to marriage so that you can have a deeper relationship and extraordinary sex life. We offer group Bible studies, private couples coaching, premarital counseling, intensive weekend seminars, an annual marriage retreat, and now a podcast. Today on the podcast, we're talking about how to talk to your spouse about sex. And this can be a tricky one <laughs> because it's such a sensitive topic in so many marriages. And there may be loads of shame-filled barriers between the two of you about this topic. Yes, and one of you is a sexual pursuer. One of you is a sexual responder. So you definitely have to be careful to avoid spiraling into that pressure withdrawal cycle that we talk about uh, with this kind of conversation. Uh, if you're new to this pressure withdrawal cycle and sexual pursuer responder language, listen to episodes five and six for more details on that. Right. So you pro- you both probably have different reasons that you want to be having sex or want to avoid certain sexual activities. So the question is, where do we begin? How do you even bring up the topic in a way that starts the conversation off on the right foot and in the right tone. And man, Matt, this one is a is a personal one for us because hmm. it was not that long ago that, uh, believe it or not, I didn't even like to say the word sex, <laughs> let alone talk to you about what we were or were not doing or what I did or did not want. Oh, so how far we've come. That, and that's right. Let, let that be a place of hope for some of you that... Uh, you really can grow significantly in this way. And so you're never stuck where you are as long as you're interested in trying to grow. Yeah, but no, all of the responders are now terrified thinking, if I allow my pursuer to grow, we might have to be on a podcast talking about <laughs> sex. <laughs> well, all right. So podcasting is not necessarily the prescription for everybody in this way. Um, and believe me, I've taken Jen kicking and screaming the whole way. So it may not be worth it to all of you to get there. I'm here, though. I'm happy go. to be here. All right. So how do we talk about this? How do we talk about All right. Sex? So first, I think we need to point out that there actually are some good reasons to talk about sex with your spouse. 
In fact, according to a study done by John Gottman, and he's like the relationship guru, John Gottman found that couples that talk about their sex lives have better, more satisfying sex. Um, Probably not a surprise there, but listen further that couples that talk about their sex lives also have better, more satisfying relationships, not just sex, but their entire relationship improves if they're able to talk about sex in a, in a comfortable way. In fact, what he found is that 91%, that's a big number, 91% of couples who can't comfortably talk about sex with one another say that they are sexually unsatisfied. Wow, that's, that is huge. So the question is, why? Why are they not talking about it? And again, we've lived this. Why did we go so long in our marriage without really talking about sex? Well, it's because intimate conversations like this require so much vulnerability. Mm. It's all about knowing and being known. And frankly, that's just terrifying. That is scary. Uh, Talking about sex is probably more intimate and vulnerable than having sex. Mm because it forces you to actually confront yourself and your innermost emotions and feelings. And then you have to share that with someone else. Right. Isn't it just completely ironic that often sharing our bodies with someone is easier than sharing our deepest sexual spirit, mind, and heart? True sexual connection with your spouse requires more than just offering your, sometimes just your lifeless body, Mm. right? Like we seem okay with just having sex, but talking about sex, man, that requires more of us. Definitely. And again, the benefit of sexual connection is that intimacy and closeness in this realm of your relationship is deeply connected to enhancing closeness in every other aspect of your relationship you become much more attractive to your spouse when they see you sharing, when they see you opening up, when they see you growing and discovering. Right. That was a big thing for me as a responder when I realized that actually talking about this helped our relationship be where I wanted it to be in in our emotional closeness. Um, When I realized that when we started talking about sex, it opened up every avenue Mm. of intimacy and emotional closeness. So true, and and I think so underrated. Right. Um, Dr. Corey Allen, uh, who's a a researcher and uh, a writer and a therapist, says that how you do sex is how you do life. I think that's a profound statement. Right. Um, And I I think that uh, in this case, it applies certainly because learning to talk about difficult subjects like this improves your ability to talk about everything else. Right. Learning to express your feelings, your fears, your anxieties, your needs, uh, those kinds of skills and uh, th- that kind of practice, if you will, uh, is critical to any healthy relationship because conflict in relationships is inevitable. If you're avoiding conflict in your relationship, you are avoiding the fullness that relationship has to offer. I think that's always a point where couples look at us like we're a little bit crazy because (laughs) we've all been taught this mentality of, you know, our goal is to, quote, resolve conflict as if 
We'll come to a point in our marriage where there's just no more conflict. That's just nonsense. Right. And I'll, I'll use an analogy that I use a lot when we talk about this. Um, if you've heard me talk before, you've heard about the cemetery. But consider for yourselves, what is the most peaceful place in town? <laughs> lots of people always tell you the library. No, there's lots of tension in a library because everybody's trying to be quiet when they don't want to be. Right. The most peaceful place in town is a cemetery. Why is that? Because everything's dead. Dead. And if your relationship is peaceful, I have news for you. Check your pulse. Because if your relationship is peaceful, your relationship is probably dead. If you are not having conflict about sex, your sex life is probably dead. Because if you both have the same opinions, the same desires, the same preferences then one of you is unnecessary in this relationship. The point of relationship is to help grow you. And if you're not having conflict, it's probably not because there's not conflict. It's probably because it's silent conflict. One of you has just stopped talking. Exactly. One of you is just going with the flow and and afraid to express an opinion. There's definitely a lot of people that we encounter that think that they are talking about their sex life, but silently... Their spouse is unhappy with the state of the marriage um, and the state of the marriage bed because they are avoiding discussion about anything that might create tension or disagreement or conflict. Let me say it again. Embrace the conflict. Right. Use the conflict as an opportunity to learn about what your spouse really needs, what they really want, what they really fear. Learn who they really are. And how you can better serve them. I think that's important when we're talking about conflict in any realm of your marriage. When conflict comes up, this is a place to learn more about your spouse. But especially when we're talking about learning to talk about sex and the conflict that inevitably comes up. Guess what? Newsflash, guys. You are not alone if you are having conflict about sex. Every married couple is having conflict about this. So lean into it. Learn to to recognize this conflict as a place of growth. Exactly. So what if you don't know what to say? Responders, what if when you're asked, you don't know what you want? Mm, Yeah, that's typically the responder's first uh, response, (laughs) reply. Yes, exactly. So first... Responders, I would encourage you to first of all recognize the courage that is required for a pursuer to even ask the question. Yeah. That's vulnerability. To ask questions that could result in rejection. And pursuers, we are well acquainted with rejection. But to ask a question about what your partner thinks about something, especially in the sexual realm, Uh, is a place where you're exposing yourself to rejection, you're exposing yourself to resentment, you're exposing yourself to judgment. Right. So for most responders, when they're asked, what do they want sexually, their reply is, I don't know. Oh, and I don't know. That is such a terrible response. It feels so terrible when you're a pursuer asking the question and your spouse says, I don't know. But is it a terrible response? Oh, well, it feels like such a block. But couples therapist and author George Fallon says, I don't know, is such a beautiful 
place. Wow. And frankly, as a pursuer, I had no idea what he meant when he said that the first time when I first heard him say that. (laughs) And when I, as a responder, heard him say that, I felt just this wash of relief. I'm sure. But I think you both need to learn to see the beauty of I don't know. Because uh, what George Fallon says that I don't know means that you found a place in your relationship that you both now have an opportunity to explore and discover and grow together. The goal is to allow I don't know to become a place uh, of conversation and a beginning of the conversation, not an end. Right. So responders, to a responder, a pursuer's question can feel like a threat. But keep in mind, if you're married to a caring person, then you need to start by assuming the best. And then you need to be honest with yourself. Us responders, we just desperately want to please. And so in every question that's asked of us, we're first, our first reaction is, what do they want me to say? But often, what do they want me to say leads us to a place of just answering and anxiety instead of answering what is true. Mm. And that's and keep in mind, re- responders, the, your pursuer is not asking you this question so that you'll give them the right answer. Yeah. Pursuers want to know the truth. They want to know what you think or feel. So I don't know tends to be our guttural response because I don't know creates kind of this space. It's like the sense of safety. It's a, it's a pause button. Mm. And our tendency is to then run away from I don't know. But but for both pursuers and responders, it's like we treat I don't know as like the end all. But really, I don't know is a place of potential. I don't know is a place of possibility, a place of growth, hope, and newness. So when you come up against an I don't know, be curious. Be curious about yourself and learn to lean into that. Ask yourself questions and listen to your own answers. And really, the biggest question you ask yourself is, what would it take for you to know? Mm. So responders, stop hearing your pursuers' questions as criticisms. Questions, even if they sound like criticisms, are bids for connections. Ooh, good points. So uh, pursuers, one tip I would give to you is when you want to ask your spouse about sex, uh, that's a big topic. I would encourage you to ask specific questions. That's helpful. Instead of saying, asking stuff like, what do you think about our sex life? <laughs> um, or what do you want in bed? Uh-huh. It's so much more helpful to ask things like, name one thing that I do that you like in bed. Yes. Or instead of asking them, tell me about all your sexual fantasies. Oof. Ask them, describe a memory of a great sexual experience that we've had. Uh, in- instead of asking something like, why don't you want to have more sex? Ask <laughs> things like, how did you feel when I asked you to have this conversation? Those are great questions. Specific questions yes. always work better. And those are, again, these, those are starting places. You definitely want to know what is everything that you want to do in bed. 
<laughs> but you're not going to get there by asking that question. You got to start small and build the conversation. Right. And responders, it's your place to respond mm. to the question. Recognize again, this is a bid for connection with you. Right. And, and pursuers, don't judge your responder for not having the words in the moment. Mm. You've got to have some patience. Recognize that you have a lead on this because you've been thinking about this question probably <laughs> for weeks or months or years before you probably, even pose it. They've probably never even thought about I, the question. <laughs> I know it's unthinkable that they would never have thought about these uh, questions, but it's true. They've probably never even thought about this before in a conscious, directed way. So you're bringing them to a new place. Give them a chance to get comfortable there mm -hmm. and be satisfied with just a little bit of progress at a time. Even if it's just allowing your partner to be a little more comfortable with this topic of conversation, that's a win. If it's just a matter of getting them to this place and helping them get more comfortable, even if you don't get an answer to the question you're looking for, help them get comfortable there. Be willing to sit with them in that uncertainty and be willing to sit for a long time with an unresolved conversation. You have to know when to back off of the pressure because you can't afford to become a pressurer. Right. Then the, then the conversation is over. And also recognize that when, when you get an I don't know as a response, it might mean that you have asked a loaded question. Mm. Back off. When you get an I don't know, back off. And reassure your spouse that your motives in that question are not a judgment. Good. Or is it? <laughs> Be careful. We ask, we pursuers ask a lot of questions, not out of curiosity sometimes, but out of a place of judgment. Wow. That um, takes a lot of introspective, um, you know, learning about yes. yourself. Right. So be so, careful. Let's take a break now, and after the break, Matt, let's come back and consider some important tips to help this conversation start going well. We want to let you know about an exciting upcoming event that you are all invited to. On Friday, October 23rd, we are offering a free one-hour webinar. We'll be covering a popular topic from our recent marriage retreat titled, Making Married Sex Great Again. Don't worry, it's just a funny title. We won't be bringing politics into the bedroom. We will be discussing the components of great sex and how to improve the sex you are already having. This is not just a webinar for couples who are struggling, but an opportunity for all of us to make things even hotter and more intimate. Then, after the presentation, we'll stick around, live, online, to answer your questions anything you want to ask us. Again, the date is Friday evening, October 23rd at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Sign up on our website, IntimateCovenant.com backslash webinar. That's IntimateCovenant.com backslash webinar. Once you sign up, we'll send you all the information you'll need to join us for Making Married Sex Great Again, followed by a live Q&A. Put the kids to bed early and make it a double date with Matt and Jen in the comfort of your own bedroom. Um, that might have sounded a little weird. Oh, wait. No, it won't be weird. You can't promise that you won't be weird. Oh, but, but no, really, not that way. Uh, it won't be weird. We'll be on screen talking about how to have great sex in your marriage, and you'll be in your bedroom. Well, 
doing whatever you do in your bedroom. Oh boy, it's getting weird again. Oh dear. Uh, free webinar, Friday evening, October 23rd at 8 p.m. Central. Sign up at the website if you want to join us. Hope to see you there. All right, welcome back. So some of you pursuers are thinking, yes, I can't wait to talk about sex. There's so much more that we should be doing. But my spouse hates sex. Or you might be thinking, there's no way I could ever tell my spouse what I actually want to do in the bedroom. They would run out the door screaming. You responders are thinking, oh, that's all my spouse ever thinks about. And if we start talking about sex then my spouse is actually going to expect me to have more sex or some kind of crazy sex, and I definitely don't want that. Other responders tend to think, so what is there to even talk about? Our sex life is fine. Still others of you responders just have an innate fear of this conversation because honestly, you avoid thinking about sex. And as a result, you just don't have any idea what you do or don't want in your sex life. You certainly don't want to be made to vocalize that. And you know what? All of your fears, pursuers and responders, probably have some basis in reality because of the nature of your current relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's why these conversations haven't happened already. Those responses might actually happen, but probably not to the extent that you're afraid. Uh, especially if we can approach these conversations in the right way. So what are some ways to get this conversation rolling the right way? Well, you all know the saying that timing is everything. Yes. And that is especially true in this case. Pick the right time and the right place to have these conversations. I've said it before, and I, it's worth saying again, this conversation is not appropriate in the bedroom right after you had sex. Right. There is no need for a post-game co- press conference. <laughs> you don't need to interview your spouse and ask them what was good, bad, or ugly about what just happened, uh, especially in the moment. Use the moment to enjoy what you have and what you just had together. Um, cuddle and focus on the positive in that moment. Right. These conversations instead should happen and are best to happen in a neutral setting. So one one great place to do this is lunch in a public space. Yes, lunch is nice because there's no pressure to go home and have sex immediately. Lunch usually requires a defined amount of time, and it's a public space, which means your pursuer's probably at least less likely (laughs) to initiate right then. (laughs) A public space means that both of you will be forced to control your emotions right. about and, this. And listen, don't worry about other people hearing <laughs> you in the restaurant. They won't. Yes. Trust us. We have talked about all manner oh of sexual topics in public spaces, including restaurants. Right. We've never been kicked out yet. Right. Tip, pro, pro gamer tip here. Pick a louder restaurant. Yes. Don't go to the quiet places. Exactly. <laughs> go to a loud restaurant. No one will ever hear you. Right. And don't think you need to sit outside. Um, sitting outside, it's actually easier to yeah. hear the couple next to you. Get yeah. in a, get a booth in a noisy restaurant. You can have a great conversation. We sound like we've had experience in I, this. We've yeah, had a lot. <laughs> we have. That's true. All right. Another great thing to do is try, take a road trip together. Women, this is a tip that I didn't quite realize until you know I really started talking to my grown son and husband, is that men 
especially are willing to be more vulnerable when they're talking side by side rather than face to face. Us women, we like to look into each other's <laughs> eyes, but that's not necessarily the case for our men. Yeah, and, and there's a place for face-to-face conversation, but a road trip is nice because you're side by side, you can talk about anything without feeling as uncomfortable, and you have a captive audience. Right. If you're driving somewhere for two hours, that's a great time to have a conversation because you have a captive audience and it's a defined period of time. The conversation has to end when you show up at grandma's house. Right. But obviously be careful having this conversation with the kids in the back uh, seat. You know, that's true. <laughs> uh, if they're little and they're sleeping, you could probably get away with more than you think. Right. Um, I would also add uh, pursuers, do not surprise your spouse with this conversation. Mm, right. Um, don't ask your spouse to a lunch date and then just throw this on them. If they're expecting to have a romantic, quiet, relaxing time and you throw this conversation on them, uh, your spouse might feel ambushed. And when they feel ambushed, naturally they're going to fight back and be defensive, not yeah. open and vulnerable you with you. You don't want to do that. Right. All right. Another tip, avoid the term should in mm-hmm. this conversation. There is no should here. Because this is almost never a discussion about what is right or wrong from a moralistic standpoint. Most of the time, we're talking about preferences. Yeah. And pursuers, you don't know what your spouse wants or need. You don't know what would feel good to them. And you can't change how they feel about it. Your only job in this conversation is to better understand their perspective, not to convince them to feel the same way that you do. Right. And responders, they are not wrong for wanting it. Their desire is legitimate. Acknowledge that they are asking you for it, not someone else. Mm. I think we often take that for granted, but they are choosing you every single day. And again, your job is to listen and understand what sex means to them and why they feel the way that they do. Yeah, great. And another tip, be direct. The less direct you are about what you want, the less likely you are to get it. Mm, good. Consider this. This Okay, we'll do a little role play for you here. All right. Um, uh, I hope, Jen, you're okay with this. But, <laughs> con- but consider the following conversation that conflicted couples often have frequently, not just about sex in a lot of ways, but especially about sex. So, okay, um, my name's Matt, and uh, <laughs> we're going to have this conversation. Okay. So, uh, babe, uh, how do you think our sex life is going? Um, better. Why? Well, I don't think the problem is the same, but uh, I guess it's okay. Okay. Well, so why did you bring it up? I I think it's fine. We're fine. I I don't know. I I guess I just wanted to see what you think. I told you. I think we're fine. Why are you always pressuring me about this? It's, It's never good enough for you. Sound familiar? Well, I don't really know why you got like a weird New York you know, accent there, but all right. (laughs) It does sound good. (laughs) Going going someplace different, you know, changing it up. That is definitely a conversation that has happened in our home before. 
you have a husband here who is sort of weakly probing at yeah. what he wants, and you right. have but not directly, but stating. not directly stating what he actually is asking about. Right, just sort mm-hmm. of asking general, broad, terrible questions. And you have a responder who is immediately defensive, right, and would rather the conversation stop now. Right, feels criticized and mm-hmm. um, and definitely trying to stop the conversation. Yeah. So, but but really, both parties here are trying to rush to finish this discussion yeah. because it's uncomfortable, right? right? So they're trying to rush to finish the discussion, hoping that their partner's going to understand what they're trying to say without yeah. actually saying anything. Yeah, so everything is left unresolved. Unresolved and, um, and more distance is created with that kind of discussion. Um, part of this is that these, this couple may not have even a vocabulary or a language to talk about this. Right. And that's probably a place that this whole thing needs to start. The first discussions need to even be about um, a language for their sexuality and for their uh, sexual behavior. Uh, because if, if you have – to have a conversation – um, you have to have language first. Right. I think let's save that for an entire other podcast. Oh, good idea. Yeah. Another, we'll add it to the list. All right. Look yeah. for that in the future. Okay. An- another tip about having a conversation, this conversation uh, uh, in a helpful way is to be kind. Mm, that's avoid, a big one. Avoid criticism, uh, even joking. I mean, sarcasm seems and feels funny at the time, and some of you have great sense of humor, but sarcasm and humor in this case is often perceived as biting and wounding and joking, whether you're the pursuer or the responder, if you're using humor to deflect, that's not healthy here. That's not helpful. Certainly. If you're, if you're joking in this place, you might be giving your partner the, the idea that this doesn't matter to you. Right. And, and that just uh, isn't helpful at all. I think another thing, Matt, is that you need to speak positively. This mm-hmm. is a hard one for resp- re- responders. We're often really good at saying what we don't want. So responders, instead of, I hate it when you touch me there, try, it feels so amazing when you touch me here. Mm, good point. Yes. Say what it is you want, not just what you don't want. Yeah. And that can be hard to get to. I mean, uh, it's easy to say what we don't want, but it's harder to be more thoughtful and think about what we actually do want. Right. You're both going to be sensitive or even embarrassed by this topic, but you definitely don't want to add defensiveness to the mix by being critical and and by bringing in sarcasm or criticism. If you bring in defensiveness to this conversation, it's going to end faster than a quickie. <laughs> That's true. All right. Lastly, be patient. Right. This is such an uncomfortable topic for many of us. Most of us have a lot of shame wrapped up in sexuality and all things about sexuality. That might be due to our experiences, our our silent upbringing, or even past trauma. Many more of us have a hard time talking about our feelings or our desires, especially about such a very deeply intimate topic. Right. So be patient go slow. The first conversations may just need to center around your feelings about sex and your feelings about talking about sex. Yeah, that's a great place to start. How do we even feel about talking about this? Yes, yes. And these conversations, if you're starting slow, will help to build confidence and trust that's necessary to be comfortable being in a place of vulnerability. Right. Remember, you have a lifetime 
to perfect your sex life. (laughs) Where you are now is far less important than the direction that you're going. And this is the start of a lifetime of conversations. And you're not going to solve all of your conflict over sex in a single conversation. In fact, I I hate to break this to you. In fact, (laughs) you will never actually solve this conflict. That's why you have to keep talking about it. All righty. So with that ray of sunshine, (laughs) we have run out of time for this topic again today. Good thing we have a lifetime to keep podcasting about it. Oh, nice. I see what you did there. (laughs) All right. Give us our three wrap-up points, Matt. Okay. Number one, embrace the conflict. Use conflict as an opportunity to learn about what your spouse really needs, what they really want, and what they really fear. Learn who they really are and how you can better serve them. Pursuers and responders, lean into the beauty of I don't know. Two, timing is everything. And three, be direct, avoid criticism, and be patient. All right, that's all we have today. If you have something to add, we would love to have your feedback, your questions, your suggestions to the email, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. Now it's time to grab your spouse and your Bible and head to your kitchen table to have the conversation about your own sex lives. We pray that you will approach each other with vulnerability and with empathy. Thanks for listening and thanks for all your support. Until next time, keep striving and don't settle. Thanks for listening to the Intimate Covenant Podcast. Please send your comments, questions, and suggestions to our email inbox, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. For more information about Intimate Covenant, please visit our website, intimatecovenant.com. Join our online community, find more resources, and learn about upcoming events to help you and your marriage journey toward a fuller relationship and an extraordinary sex life.